grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What days are you yearning for? Days that you are eagerly looking forward to because of what will happen on that day or what will soon happen after that day. If you're a student in school, you're probably yearning for the end of the fall semester because it means that Christmas break follows afterwards when you can sleep in every day, there is no homework, and you have about two whole weeks to enjoy all that Christmas break is. In case you're not already counting when that day comes, for U of A students, it'll be at the latest December 15th, and for high school and grade school students, the 22nd. It's coming up pretty soon, but probably feels like a long way off if you're especially yearning for that day. Or if you are a, um, a, a fan of football, you're probably yearning for the Super Bowl on February 11th. If your team is doing well, and if it has a chance to even make it in the championship, you're looking forward to see how they do, how close they can get, and if they make it to the big game, how they will perform under the pressure of the national spotlight. Or if your team isn't doing so well, looking forward to the day after the Super Bowl, because your record will be the same as everyone else, zero and zero, because you reset and preparing for the new season coming up in a good while. Or maybe you're yearning for the day when all your family can be together again as you hopefully or maybe had this past Thanksgiving break. Maybe it's just a month away in December for Christmas. Maybe it's much further away, but you are already looking forward to have everyone under the same roof as it once was so long ago. On this last day of the church year, we take a moment as Christians to look at the last day and the end of time as we know it. On the day when things will change forever. Our Savior Jesus will come back visibly and in power and glory and might that no one will mistake or miss. And when he does come back, he will raise the dead to life so that they and those who were still living when the end came can be judged by him on the basis of their faith in Jesus as their Savior. And whoever is a child of God, well, they will be gathered up to heaven. But those who aren't will sadly be sent away to eternal punishment and separation from Jesus. No one knows when this last day will come, except for God. It could be later today, it could be tomorrow, it could be later on in our lifetimes, or long after we are not even a distant memory anymore. But regardless of when that day comes, we Christians, we yearn for this day and for the Lord to return on it. Because it is a day that fills us with hope and anticipation. Hope because of what the Lord will do on that day when he raises the dead to life and to confirm the hope that we have now in grief that death is not final, but it is but asleep. And we yearn for that day because the anticipation of what will be ours when that day is over and we enter into eternity and all the heaven will be for us afterwards. 
when Paul wrote these words to the Christians in Thessalonica, they were dealing with a sad yet all too common problem, the passing of a loved one, specifically of a, of a Christian. Evidently, they were grieving as those who have no hope of the resurrection or of a joyful reunion because they thought that anyone who passed away before the Lord came back, well, they missed out on it all. And they would never see them again. Understandably, this filled them with inconsolable grief of what they missed out on. And it's for good reason why Paul wrote these words of comfort to them. To remind them of the hope we have that we yearn for that will be confirmed in the Lord's coming on the last day so we may have hope even in the deepest of griefs. That's because no one will miss out when the Lord returns on that last day. Whether they've long since passed away, a barely distant memory, or their atoms have so decomposed that they've been replaced in who knows what other aspect of natural science, the Lord will raise them up on that last day with the same body they had as before because of his almighty, omnipotent power as seen in creation. But for believers, his body will be better than ever was the first time around. For he'll be raised without sin and transformed to be glorious, perfect, and imperishable. With bodies raised and reconstituted, then we see how the souls will be rejoined with them as it is right now, so we may enjoy and witness what the Lord's return will be like with those who are still living when it came around. And it's because of that future resurrection, what the Lord will do when he returns, that we have hope even in the midst of grief. Because the death of a Christian is, as Paul says, it's very much like a person going to sleep. When we go to sleep, we know that it is temporary. So we expect to wake up from it. And if it's a good quality sleep, it's also going to be peaceful and restful. That while we are sleeping, our bodies are finally free from the trials and tribulations of the world, able to just recover. And when we wake up, we are rested and ready to take on whatever the new day has to be. In the same way, Christian's death is like sleep in all the good ways. For it's temporary, peaceful, and restful. When we enter into the sleep of death, we expect to wake up on that last day when Christ comes again. While we're in the sleep of death, our bodies are finally free from all that was going on in this world. And our souls are right then and there enjoying everything that heaven has to offer, awake and conscious and knowing what is happening. And when we wake up from that sleep of death, we're rested and ready to be judged not guilty because of our faith in Jesus as our Savior, and then to go right back up to heaven and enjoy everything it has to offer, except now with body and soul together as it is right now. That's the hope we have when a Christian passes away. That death is not final. And there will be a joyful reunion. Contrary to what the world may say, that is what we have in a wonderful case here. That it is this wonderful hope here. And so why we yearn for the Lord to return because when he comes on that last day, he will confirm what we know to be true now. That death is but a sleep for a Christian. 
But we also yearn for the Lord to return because what will happen afterwards when life as we know it will forever change in every single possible good way. We, we heard in our gospel today how Jesus will separate his children from unbelievers as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. Counted among those sheep are Christians like you and me here today. We'll also be joined with the illustrious company of the heroes of faith, the Bible history figures we've heard about so long, like Adam and Eve, Noah, Moses, and David, just to name a few. There'll be people that we recognize but never thought would be Christians because, after all, we can't read people's hearts. Countless people, we have no idea who they are from every nation and people and tribe and language. And then there'll be our loved ones who we had to say goodbye to because either we left them or they left us. With this gathering of Christians before the Lord judged not guilty for eternity because their faith in Him, then we get to something we can only dream about. To be ushered up into heaven. To enjoy its every blessings. Sin and its consequences will be no more. We'll see what the Lord actually looks like that we've heard and talked about so much and be able to stand in His very presence without feeling all uh, scared about it and wondering, why am I here? And those goodbyes we had to say before, we'll never have to make again. And this joy of heaven will never get old. But for the eternity that it will be, it will be eternity of all that it is promised to be. You see, that's why we yearn for the Lord to return. So that he may raise the dead on that day and confirm the hope that we have now, that even in death we have hope. We also yearn for him to come so we may enjoy everything that it, heaven has promised to be with both body and soul intact and with every other Christian with us. But as you consider what is to come, of the great and glorious day of the Lord, how much do you actually yearn for that day yourself? Maybe it's hard to yearn for that day when you are grieving the death of a loved one, even a Christian. After all, science and experience tells us that death should be final. People don't just come back to life, you know. They, they, they stay in the grave. And the comfort we get from non-Christian sources, they don't help our grief in any lasting way. To, to celebrate somebody's life because, well, there's nothing else to celebrate about them. To think we look to uh, ideas uh, that are not found in Scripture to give us that false sense of comfort of so-and-so who is looking down on us or still with us, pleading on our behalf before God or coming back in a different life form in some way, trying to keep their memory line alive as long as possible by retelling stories or cracking the same jokes or carrying on the traditions of before as if that was the only thing we could do to keep them going. Those don't provide lasting hope and grief. And, and even if we are grounded in Scripture, even if we know that there will be the resurrection of the dead when that moment comes to them, when that push comes to shove, when that moment comes upon us, 
How many of us have felt that irrational thoughts or the raw emotions just rush in and make us think that the goodbye we said was forever? It's tough to grieve. And we sure don't want to look, we don't want to think of what will come afterwards. Or maybe we struggle to yearn for the Lord to return because we don't really look forward to what comes afterwards. One thing in this life that is constant is that change will always be. And when good things are happening, we know it's a matter of time until it's not happening anymore. Why would that change all of a sudden when Christ comes back? The eternity of heaven, all that's going to say, we have no track record saying this will continue for experience. Who could change that? Or, or maybe we're reluctant thinking of some specific Christians we may be spending eternity with. People who sinned against us that we have not forgiven as Christ has forgiven us. Certain Christians that we know that if we hang with them too long, they become spots of friction and we just delve on each other and it's just bad news. Why, if we've had issues over a Thanksgiving break or extended holiday with family, imagine eternity even more so. Maybe we don't yearn for the Lord to return because we have loved ones who do not know Christ as they should. And we heard what will happen to those who remain without Christ. And there's no going back from that. Or perhaps we struggle to yearn because we like keeping the Lord at a comfortable distance from us. We have skeletons in our closet that fill with shame to this day. We've enjoyed being on the, the fringes of Christianity, not too close, not too far away, able to do our own thing. And if we don't want to be too close to God right now, well then why would that be any better in heaven? Rather, keep them away. And that can't happen in heaven after all. There's a lot of reasons why we can hear of the great and glorious day of the Lord and the wish that it will never come, or at least not in a long, long time. But before we see why we cannot help but yearn for the Lord to return, let's first show up our confidence that He will return and that everything He has promised will actually happen. You see, what Thessalonians talks about, this idea of the resurrection of the dead and us forever in heaven with all that heaven's going to be, it is based on one thing, on the very death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We hear Paul make this if-then statement showing how if this happens, then this will certainly occur when he writes, Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we will also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. The Bible has it repeated over and over that if Christ has risen and died and risen, so will those who believe in him. And we know that indeed he has done just that. And so he will come back and to take every child of his to be with him in heaven. And to make it clear that this is not just Paul's own thoughts or his heartfelt desires, but God himself who is saying it, Paul goes on to say in these verses, in fact, we tell you by the word of the Lord. This is God's own word assuring to us that what we're hearing is the truth 
and what we can look forward to. As such, we cannot help but yearn for the Lord to return so He may confirm the hope we have as Christians that even when death claims one of our loved ones, we know that we will see them again. Contrary to what the world may say, death is not final. It's a sleep that is peaceful, temporary, and restful. Contrary to what so many other faith traditions and worldviews may say, we will see our loved ones again, and they'll be even better the second time because we'll never have to say goodbye again. Because of what the Lord has spoken, we cannot help but yearn for the Lord to return so we may be filled with anticipation and to receive everything that heaven is going to be. That status of not guilty we already have through faith in Christ will able to continue for eternity, but for a different reason. Because we'll simply never sin again. We'll be perfect in every way. We'll get to see what Jesus himself looks like. And as a, as, as, as a tidbit, we'll see which artist was the closest in showing us who Jesus looked like. Never again will bad things happen to good people. It'll just be good things happening to perfect people. Our broken bodies will be back in their prime. Our diseased minds will be fully restored. And that company that we sometimes don't like of other people, well, that wedge of sin will be gone. So we'll honestly enjoy being with each other for eternity if we don't already. And again, this will last for eternity. How can we not want that to come as soon as possible? And for those we love who don't know who Christ is, well, the end still hasn't come. The Lord is still giving us time. And they too can have the same treasure of heaven that you and I have through simple faith in Jesus and what he has done for you and for me at that cross. It is these words that the Lord has given to us, we may read them and hear them and learn them and take them to heart. It is these words that if we see one of our fellow Christians who needs a reminder, that we can lift up their spirits as Paul did so long ago so that we may carry out his closing wish of what he says. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with the hope we have in grief. Because when the Lord comes back, he will raise the dead and to show that death is not final, but there will be a resurrection and a joyful reunion. Encourage one another with these words when life gets you down and out because you know what will be yours is far greater by far and all the troubles and tribulations of this world be just a blip in the mind and not even a memory. Or we, we won't remember them in comparison to what will be the case now. Encourage one another with these words so that we too may yearn for the Lord to return with hope and anticipation of what is ours through Christ and what he did for us. Amen.